Hi, everyone, and welcome to What Would My Shrink Say, a podcast where you get inside the heads of a couple psychologists and see life through their eyes. You'll never be the same. All right, Todd, what are we talking about today? I have an, I have an interesting... Um, an interesting process that I see show up a lot with clients. I, I, mean, I wouldn't say it's like a lot, but it's it's often enough that it's a really fun thing to work with. And, I, and I've kind of coined it, I, I, and maybe I heard this from somebody else, but I've kind of coined it the productivity trap. It's mm. catchy. It's catchy. I like it. I, I, I'm pretty sure that someone else made it up and I just kept the, the name, but... I don't know where, um, but what this looks like is is an individual may become so fixated on being productive and being efficient and getting things off their to do list that they derive a lot of their own sense of value and self worth from their ability to, to do this, and that's there's no problem with that. I mean, being productive and being efficient and being effective, there's no problem with that unless you make it kind of the sole source of your identity and reward system. Mm. Um, because inevitably you're, you're going to encounter situations where there are challenges to your productivity. And if that's the only way you're really feeling good about yourself at the end of the day, then there's a brutal kind of reality at the end of the day when you have lots of things on your to-do list that aren't done, mm-hmm. um, which leads to this kind of ruminative, um, um, self-critiquing and negative self-talk about, man, I didn't do enough and I, I'm not a good person today because or whatever it is. And then the solution for the next day is I have to work harder tomorrow mm-hmm. to get everything I've done, right? And around and around we go that way. Um, and so th- thus I think why it, why it was kind of coined that trap because it, it kind of creates this system where you're constantly not feeling good enough about yourself because mm-hmm. you're not doing enough. And your only solution is to then work harder the next day. Do more. Um, and so it kind of creates this really brutal cycle that a lot of people have a lot of uh, difficulty breaking away from. Yeah. Have you ever seen that in your clients? Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm glad I have a name for it now. <laughs> Todd Sewell's Productivity Trap. Yeah, copyright. Trademark. Yeah, trademark. Um, yeah, and, and like you're sort of pointing out, there's there's it's almost like there's multiple vicious circles going on at one time, right? Like for one thing, people who are pretty productive, by definition, tend to always be upping the ante, right? So as soon as they kind of get proficient or good in one thing, they just immediately level up to a new challenge. Yeah, that, that all of a sudden becomes not good enough uh-huh. anymore, just that. Yeah. Now we've got to do... The next step, yeah. which like you point out is it's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, uh, always kind of pushing yourself to, to grow more and mm-hmm. achieve more and in isolation is, is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but if that's the, yeah, if you're not getting any other, in any other areas of your life, if you're not getting any senses of, um, yeah, I feel good about where I am right now. Like, yeah, I've really, I've really kind of made it or I'm good at this particular thing. If your whole life is your job and in your job you're constantly pushing 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 when do you ever get to feel satisfied and yeah okay with things yeah well and and there's almost there's kind of two issues i think for for productivity one um it's really hard for people in that productivity kind of trap to to feel okay about sucking at something Mm -hmm. um 
and the to-do list never runs out. And so you're, you're kind of, you're chasing something you'll never really be able to do almost completely. Um, and so it is just kind of this hamster wheel of con- continual kind of seeking gratification or reward by, by finishing things. Um, and if, and if that's your only way to feel good about yourself, you're going to be really busy. How do people get into this situation? Like in, in your experience, like where does this come from? Yeah, I, I think it's early reward um, issues. So I have a client and she was kind of neglected as a kid. Her parents weren't really emotionally available. Um, and so she found a lot of um, reinforcement through academics and, and getting her work done and doing it really well. Um, she got a lot of positive reinforcement, verbal reinforcement from her teachers, peers, you know, and, and I think, I think the client just found that this was an area where she could really excel and succeed. And she kind of just figured out by being productive, Mm -hmm. she felt rewarded and and important and, uh, that her value definitely, she had some value in academics. Um, and then it seemed like that was her, that's what she stuck with. Yeah. And, and didn't really round out other reward systems or other things that make her valuable or identify other things that she could feel really good about herself for. It kind of just became that focus on productivity and gotcha. and being good. That's a great, that's a really great example. Um, and this is one situation where I selfishly feel really lucky to be a therapist because I feel like I, I benefit a lot personally from seeing, hearing about that mistake in, in, in people's backgrounds mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. helping me, I think... Like when I think about my my daughters, I I try really hard to be diverse in my reward. Like what I take mm. interest in, what mm. I reward, what I talk to them about. Um, because I think because I want them to have a <laughs> a well diversified identity right. as adults. Right. Just like we all it's common advice, and we've talked about this before. You want financially you want a diversified portfolio of investments. You sure. want all your money in the stock market, right? Because if that goes south, it's all gone. <laughs> you want some Bad in real news. estate. You want some in bonds. You want some under your mattress. <laughs> <laughs> um, but similarly with our identity, right? You, you don't, if you lose your job and your whole identity is wrapped up in you right. being a good worker, you're screwed, right? right? Mm-hmm. But I think that um, as this client's example uh, sort of shows, this starts really early, right? Yeah, very early. And, yeah. and I think I certainly feel a lot of, um, responsibility as a parent to kind of model for my kids how to, do, I, I mean, I think I kind of give them that first sense of you can be good at and interesting in lots of different things. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. you can find reward and meaning in lots of different types of activities or aspects of yourself or interests or whatever. Um, yeah. Well, and, 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 and to teach your kids in, in some respect, I mean, you don't want to like really go overboard but i mean just the fact that they're breathing gives them value mm-hmm. you know just the, just the fact that you're alive and and are able to experience things gives you value i think um and, and so to give people kind of just that kind of bedrock that you just are inherently valuable in some way or that your experience is valuable that's an, okay so that's an interesting question so do you literally tell your kids you know i i love you just for who you are 
and, and that's my point to be able to do that, to not always tie mm-hmm. your praise to an accomplishment or to right. tie it to an outcome of some mm-hmm. sorts to really let people in your orbit know that you appreciate them just for who they are, just for being part of your life. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that's a really important thing. Um, to, to watch what you reinforce. And, yeah. and that's kind of what you're saying you're trying to do with your girls. I really want to watch what I'm reinforcing and make sure that I'm reinforcing lots of different things so that they can develop an identity of who they are and what's a, what's valuable around them that's diverse. Yeah, and I think that that idea that I'm o- just who I am, I'm okay, I'm valuable, in, independent of any particular thing that I do. Right. I think that's something you can communicate explicitly. You can say, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love you just for who you are, mm-hmm. right? But I think when you, I think that message actually gets communicated as a byproduct of having a, a diversity of um, reinforcements. Because what it, what it implies is your worth isn't tied to any one particular thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. I see what you're saying. And, and the implication of that is it's something that's kind of independent of how I do at school or how I do on the soccer field or how I like... So, so I just think that's kind of interesting. It, it, it can get, because when you have like a super little kid, yeah, it, they don't really understand what I love you just for who you are yeah, really means. means. Right. But I think they get that sense if they realize that, you know, mom and dad seem interested and excited about whatever color and like mm-hmm. how I play ball and, you know, songs I sing and, you know, all sorts of mm-hmm, things. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You know, the, the interesting thing about that too is, I mean, you may do this very deliberate, it's going to work, Nick, I'm sure you'll do this very deliberate <laughs> reinforcement with your kids, <laughs> but you never know what all my little... parenting strategies are going to work out yeah, perfectly, yeah, yeah. right? I, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Okay. Um, I'm not. <laughs> um, but you never know what those little minds are soaking up and what mm-hmm. and how they're putting those things together. And that's the most fascinating thing to me because I can remember being very deliberate in trying to teach my girls, you know specific things yeah, and you, you talk to them about it two days later and they've got this whole different kind of perception about what you were talking about and what you wanted them to take away from that. And you're like, wow, you know, that's the angle you saw in there. That's really fascinating. I just know my, at least one of my girls is going to turn out to be like a sports fanatic mm-hmm. cause mm-hmm. I am so not into sports right. and I like try so hard to be, you know, to not fall into that trap of like yeah. sports is everything. And yeah. you know, I know I'm just going to get someone who's and like, ironically, your girls will try soccer and you'll cheer them on because they're your yeah. girls and they'll be right. like, they'll I be won so dad over in the sports. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do this the rest <laughs> of my life and he's going to love it. And you will. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I think that's a good strategy. You know, how can you reward people around you or especially your kids maybe mm-hmm. in a diverse way so that they don't get, they don't cling to one method of deriving value. Right. Yeah. Okay. So what do you do though? If you, so I, I have a client sort of sounds similar to yours, similar background, but, um, he retired recently mm-hmm. and it's kind of classic. Like he's a guy, he was pretty like high up in his firm, really mm-hmm. good at what he did. That's what he spent most of his time on. Um, and he's really struggling cause that's where a lot of his, he's not like so depressed. He can't get out of bed and he has friends and he, he likes going golfing and, um, but it, it feels like a lot of that was taken away. Yeah, his identity so what, really shifted. Yeah. So what do you do um, if you find, I mean, it's great if um, you get there from from an early age, if you have this kind of like well-balanced sense of self. But what do you do if you find yourself in that situation 
later in life? Yeah. How do you start diversifying? And that's the hard thing. I think I coach a lot of clients in that situation to kind of put on their experiment a cap and, and start trying things, you know, and see what, what, uh, kind of reinforcement they get from it. But I, I have, I've had a lot of clients at that stage where they're retiring, which, I mean, if you think about it, your career is what you spend so much mm-hmm. time doing that it, it easily becomes part of your identity. Yeah. I mean, so much of your time is spent there. So all of a sudden he's not spending any time there. He's no longer a whatever. And, um, that's, that's a brutal realization that the landscape of his life shifted a lot. Mm-hmm. And the new landscape, he, it sounds like he's having a hard time knowing how to engage. Yeah. I mean, he, he's sort of falling into two kind of traps that, I, uh, that are really understandable and I see over and over again, um, which are when people find this posi- themselves in this position of, okay, I need to like, I need something else. Like I need other revenue streams for my sense of self, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> one got this huge, the whole, the big one got knocked off. I need something else. So they put on their experimenter cap mm-hmm. and they think, okay, I'm going to try some different stuff. And the two traps are they decide from the outcome or from the, from the outset that, um, I don't know, uh, hiking is going to be their thing. Mm-hmm. So they don't necessarily have a long history of enjoying hiking. <laughs> right. They just decide. But they, they like the idea of hiking and they okay. just kind of go all in on hiking. Okay. And every <laughs> once in a while, I guess people luck out and that works for them. But most of the time, people realize, oh, you know what? I, I, I just invested all this mm-hmm. time and energy and, and even emotional energy. I thought this was going to be the one. Mm-hmm. And I just don't like it that much. Yeah. And then they get even more discouraged, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's one extreme. The, the other extreme is kind of the opposite where people like constantly like dip their toes mm. in all sorts of things, but never go any further than that. Mm-hmm. So they say, oh yeah, you know, I'm going to take up a uh, watercoloring mm-hmm. and they go to a watercoloring class and they're like, nah, I don't know. I wasn't yeah. really going to do it. And yeah. then they stop. Right. Yeah. Then they try hiking. I'm like, yeah, I went on this hike and yeah, it wasn't that great. Yeah, wasn't that. So yeah. I think there's a real dilemma in you have to, you have to experiment enough to find something that resonates with you. Mm-hmm. But then you also need the stamina to go deep enough, even though it's not necessarily super fun, maybe, or really engaging right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that is like a really hard dilemma yeah, to I've, overcome. I've tried in, in, in with, with people with the productivity trap, but I've tried to do recently, and I think this is working well, is assign them kind of two behavioral goals. Or, or, or two kind of behavioral activation kind of projects. Okay. One that they're somewhat familiar with and they know mm. that they kind of like it already and they're just going to yeah. do more of it. Mm-hmm. And then one thing that they're totally really novel. not sure of, yeah. but th- I get them to commit to it for a significant amount of time. And the reason being is they're going to suck at it probably. Yeah. And they need to learn right. how to like sucking at something and get better. Yeah. Right. And, and that's, it's been a long time probably since they've really sucked at something. Yeah. They're, they, or been a people, complete beginner. People in that productivity trap tend to avoid things they're not good at because it doesn't make them feel good right. to not be good at it and not be effective. And they so, double down on the things they are already good at. Yeah. But I think there is such joy in sucking at something and, and persisting and getting a little better mm-hmm. and a little, and there's just something about that that they've missed out on. Um, and so I've had a couple clients that we've done this kind of two pronged approach, you know, do something that you, you you're going to find fun and rewarding and let's try something that you've really never done, but let's commit to trying it. You know, like you said, you can't just dip your toe in and say, no, never mind. Right. We almost kind of want to pick something you're, you know, you're going to struggle with a little bit yeah. in the effort of doing this. 
the other thing I've assigned recently, um, and that really makes them kind of uneasy is playing hooky. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. (laughs) And you should see the look on these clients' faces when you say, okay, here's the new homework assignment. Take a day next week and just call in sick. (laughs) And they're like, and one of my clients was like, oh, okay. Um, And I said, what do you think you'll do? And they're like, well, I'll I'll, I'll go for a walk and then I'll probably get some work done. I'll probably go home. (laughs) We had to really line out this assignment. You cannot work. You have, you know, and, and it was paralyzing to this person. Yeah. And, and really they tried to talk me out of it for a long time. It didn't work, but they tried. <laughs> but the idea is, can you get better at not? Can, and well, and, and, and then we made some other assignments for the day and kind of got some, some activities. But the idea was, can you find joy and value in spending a day like this and, and spending some time like this that is disconnected from your to-do list? Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully to enhance, you know, other reward systems there or, or to let them discover those reward systems. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Hey everyone, Nick and I really appreciate you listening to the podcast. Please rate us on iTunes if you get a chance. And if you have any feedback or comments for us, that'd be great as well. And if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to cover in the podcast, let us know in the comment section as well. Thanks.